Welcome to the Anyona Podcast. On this show, we cover everything you need to know from early childhood development and education to parenting tips and much more. Now over to our hosts, Tracy and Zoe. Hello, Tracy. Hi, Zoe. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on our podcast today. Before we get started, I'd just really like to acknowledge the land that Tracy and I are meeting you on today, which is the land of the Yugger and Turrbal people. And we'd really like to acknowledge the custodians of the land and we'd like to acknowledge their um, leaders past, present and emerging. So today, Tracy, our podcast is going to be on transitions. Now, for people who don't quite understand what that means, would you like to explain what we are talking about when we talk about transitions? Sure. So when we're talking about transitions, we are meaning the physical movement from one space (laughs) to another. So that would be transitioning into care for the first time from the home environment It would be transitioning from one room up into the next room and then transitioning on to school. Transition into the service and transition to the school are probably the two ones that families probably talk about and hear about the most. But any change in a child's life is significant and any way that we can make that easier and help the child to adapt is obviously going to be of great benefit to everybody. And for us, over the period of time that children are with us, it it does actually end up being quite a lot of change for someone who is so little. So we put a lot of value into doing really quality transitions. Tracy, would you like to talk a little bit about why that might be important? It's really important because as we've discussed on numerous podcasts before, It's really important because we know that children are able to grow and develop and learn best when they are feeling a sense of belonging, where they're feeling safe and they're feeling secure. If you think about any time that you've been in a new environment, a new school, a new job, even just a new group of friends at a party that you don't really know that well, you can't say that you're feeling particularly confident to be who you are, that you, you might not have that sense of belonging, you're a little bit nervous. And as such... It can take you a little while to warm up and and to engage in what's going on. Um, So what we want to work with when we're working with children in transitions is to make that as smooth and to make them feel as as comfortable as possible, to make them feel like they belong in the environment that they're in, that they have agency in that environment and that they can contribute to that environment. Yeah, and I think um, we may have mentioned this in a podcast previously, but I'm just going to reiterate it in case we haven't. Also, what is also really important, especially for really, really young children, is around brain development and transitions because we want to reduce stress levels as much as possible. And so to do that, making the new space and new people as familiar as possible is extremely helpful. Yes, absolutely it is. So Tracy, I thought it might be great to go through our transition process here at Adiona. Uh, We have really thought this through over many years and refined our procedure around what we do to make it as rich as possible. So would you like to go through all the parts of our transitions? So the transition into the service is probably one of the bigger ones for both families and children. Um, especially if the child has never been in care away from home before. So when we sort of worked on our transitions or starting families in the service, we really tried to think about everybody's needs. We had to think what do the families need to feel comfortable because that's really, really important. What does the child need to feel comfortable? And what do our educators need from the family so that they know the best way to build a relationship and to care for that child? 
So when you come to Adiona, the first thing we'll do is give you a, a centre tour. I think as a parent, it's really important when you're looking to enrol your child into a service that you do the tour and you get a vibe for the, the centre. Um, you know, everyone's centre can look great on a website. It's not until you get into the service that you can feel whether it's the right service for you because services differ greatly in their philosophies and the way of doing things and their interactions with children. So at Adiona, we'll invite you to come into the service if you like what you see. Um, we invite you to put your name down on the wait list. Then when you are accepted into the service, we have quite a lengthy enrolment process where we'll ask you every question on the for our enrolment form. But all that information helps us so that we can create the best curriculum and the best care for your child and for your family and keep everybody safe. So that would be your orientation visit. On your orientation visit too, we'll also introduce you to educators. We'll talk you through key policies and procedures, let you know where you can find things and set up things such as story park profiles, access to KidSoft, all those sorts of things. We then invite the family to come in for a minimum of five orientation visits if your child is under three and a minimum of three orientation visits if your child is over three. Obviously, families can choose to do more than that, but we do have a requirement that there's no less than those numbers simply because we need that time to get to know you and your child as educators and your child needs to be in a new environment with somebody they feel safe with. And a one half an hour visit isn't going to do that. Quite often you'll find that children will be quite confident in the first couple of weeks of care. <laughs> and then, then they realize that this is happening every day and the novelty of the new toys and the new environment have worn off. That's when some of that wariness can come back. Um, so that's why we really want parents to take their time, you know, being in the service with their child. When you come in for those orientation visits, we ask that families engage in what we call a care moment, which I know we've also discussed in a previous podcast, but I'll just quickly touch on them. So a care moment is things like engaging in a nappy change or a sleep time, a meal time, letting your child go off and explore, those sorts of things. So that our educators can observe how that interaction happens with their primary caregiver, the parent, as well as introducing the child to spaces such as the toileting or the nappy changing space with a familiar adult that they feel comfortable with before they are left with us um, educators to do that. During those visits as well, educators will talk to families, get any other information they need and start to build that relationship. We understand that your child is coming into an early education setting generally because families are working and they're busy. So after this communication might be more over the phone or via email. So it's really valuable time for families and, and educators to get to know each other and children, of course. We also have for our younger children starting at the service for the first time, so our under threes, well, we invite them to come in for a weekend orientation session. So that generally happens early in the year when we have our, mate, our big intake for the, the new year. And we invite families to come in and spend an hour or two just with a group of maybe four other children um, and their educators. This way it gives the children time to explore the environment without 
all the other children there. It can get a little um, hectic with eight other children in there sometimes when it's the normal weekday. So on the weekend, they have the place to themselves. There's less children. There's less going on. The educator also has more availability to talk to families and families can talk to each other and start to build that sense of community. Yeah. So we've really found that the weekend visits also help in that. For a start, it's like aged children. So parents get a better sense of the cohort of children that their child will be with because when they come in for the weekday visits, obviously the children are quite a bit older. <laughs> yes. But we the feedback we get from families is they actually really love just having that connection with some other families that will be in the space as well. I think sometimes in our busy lives, parenting can be a little bit lonely. So they like to know it's that bit starting to build that community within Adiona that they can see familiar families coming and going as well. Yeah, absolutely. We also like at this point to give families some literature about things that our philosophy are based on so that they can go and make sure that they have an understanding of why we do the things we do. And it's why we put out things like this podcast too, um, to share the reasons why we engage in the practices we do at Adiona. And the final step in our transition is that a couple of weeks before the children start, we post out a letter, (laughs) old-fashioned snail mail, to the families. Well, to the children. They're addressed to the children, welcoming them into the tribe, letting them know how excited we are to have them join us. It also includes a photo and a little bit of information about our the educators that they're going to be working with that year. Um, and like a little poem and maybe, you know, some stickers or something that relates to some information in the letter, which I think just builds that sense of excitement and belonging and something to look forward to. So that's pretty much a transition into our centre. Now, obviously, as I said, some children, that will be enough and they will feel comfortable and, and hit the ground running. Other children, it will take longer. There will there will still be tears that drop off and all of those things. And we will work through those with families and, and the child. But that is sort of our baseline transition into the service. Then from there, <laughs> we have transitions within the service. So we at Adiona have what we call tribes, and each room is a tribe. Other services will have different names and different rooms. The whole reason we had tribes is because we wanted to make it a bit of a ceremony moving from one room to another and and then marking their journey of growing throughout the service, I guess. But this is also a period of change because staff or educators change between the rooms, the level of autonomy and access to things changes for the child. And and the environment changes. They're physically in another room. While for most children, they will take this in their stride, we still do treat this quite, um, we put a lot of thought and reflection into what will work best for children and families. And probably the best thing, the first thing that we start to do when we start to think about these movements between the rooms is that we do try to make them minimal. So we try to make it that it only happens once every 12 months. Occasionally, for various reasons, something might happen where there there is a bit of a mid-year change, but that's quite rare across our services. Then when we look at children moving into the next room or the next space, quite a lot of thought and reflection goes into that process. So Zoe, would you like to tell us a little bit what happens in the level as a director of a service when you start to look at moving children and staff? That is a very big job. (laughs) (laughs) We start that process well out from the end of the year. So for example, we're currently in November and we started looking at this at the end of September for for here at Cooparoo. So that starts initially with us with 
allowing educators who will be working with the children the next year to go and visit that space to start to build a relationship with those children who that might be new to them because then they are able to help once we get to the point where we move the children to the new space. So we start with that. We send educators up to the other tribes where possible just to say hello Uh, and hang out for half an hour or so, maybe an hour, sometimes half a day, just depending on our capacity. And then from around mid-October, we start to actually transition the children to the new spaces. We try to do it in small groups, so anywhere between, say, three or four children through to maybe six or seven, depending on the age group, and they go with the familiar educator that will be following them through to the tribe for the next year. So as you can imagine, when you have quite a few children in a centre, it does take a long time to do that. And we do a minimum of three visits internally for the children as well. Um, And we also sit down to identify the children that we think will require more visits than that. And we identify them fairly early to make sure that they are getting more visits if we think they will need that. We also start to transition educators who are going to a new space, uh, who may be not going to uh, work with children. That all happens around that same time as well. But it takes a long time and we do it over an extended period of time because it's better than cramming it into a small amount of time because the children then have time to process between each visit. So most children might get a visit every week or fortnight um, leading up to that end of year change. Exactly. And it it makes it gives families time to talk about it with educators and also with their children and to to share those stories between home and in the centre as well. Probably you're saying that the physical transition starts for children in September, but I know that our service directors start working on it from July. In terms of looking at what educators are going to stay in the room to support the, the new children coming in and Quite often they might be um, have a bit of an affinity for that age group and be quite knowledgeable working with those children, with that age group. Um, so they may stay there to help guide other staff and help the room run smoothly. Other educators will move with the children because they've had a really strong relationship with those children. And sometimes too, as we all do in our jobs, we need a bit of a change, a bit of a mix-up. So But a lot of thought and a lot of reflection goes into how educators move throughout the service. We really do try to have continuity between the rooms and so we it is always our endeavour to have at least one staff uh, educator who has been in the tribe the year before move up with some children. So there is one at least one familiar face and one who will stay to pass on that knowledge that they have learnt from the year previous. And also with that, there also comes a lot of individual self-reflection and, and critical reflection with staff when they're speaking with centre directors about what they would like and what their goals are in terms of um, moving through the service as well. So there's a lot of factors to take into consideration when planning where um, educators will move and, and where children will move for the, the following year. So once who's moving where <laughs> has been decided um, and the children are doing their physical visits into new spaces or interactions with um, educators that they um, may be working with the next year, 
There's also, um, I guess, more behind the scenes action that happens between the educators where they're sharing information. What sort of information would they be sharing with you, the judges, though? So what we do is we have something that we call the reflection of learning. And this is a document that we transfer between educators from year to year. And it's similar to what we would look at in kindergarten as a transition statement, which we'll talk about a little bit later. So this reflection of learning looks at the ELF outcomes, the early years learning framework outcomes, and it's a strengths based document that we complete and we send out to families and we also give to the educators in the new room to give them an idea of some of the urges that that child might be going through, some of the learning they might be going through and some ways to best support them as they transition from space to space. It is set out into those five key learning outcomes, so identity, well-being, connection, active learning and communication. And that does, if you are familiar with the ELF, it really does give an idea of the whole child and we certainly don't privilege one of those areas of learning more than the other because they are all extremely important. And then also just information like medical conditions, any diagnoses, any support that the child might be accessing outside of the service will also be passed on during that time. And any strategies that um, educators have developed throughout the year that seem to engage the child or, or work to help the child be able to regulate and feel safe and secure, those will also be passed on. Um, yeah. And and a lot of those, it's not just a physical document either. There is a lot of conversations that happen well out because everyone knows that the children move typically as a cohort at the centre and our educators know from around July which space they're going to be in for the following year. They do start having those proactive conversations with each other. Uh, we have staff meetings leading up to that. We've already had two staff meetings where the team for next year has met and sat down and talked about some of these things because, of course, there's always someone coming through with the children who knows them as well. So it is a very long process because we really um, emphasise the importance of these transitions and giving them a lot of value. Yeah, absolutely. And then the last step in the transition is probably more symbolic than anything else. So in all of our tribes, the children wear a different colour hat. So we have the red tribe, the yellow tribe, blue tribe, and so they all have a, a different colour hat. So when their child um, is on their transition journey from one tribe to another they get to to don the next color of uh, next tribe's hat which they they do take some pride and joy in and then they get to keep that hat once their transition is into the new tribe is complete so it's quite a nice little symbolic journey with them and then they take their yellow tribe with the um, hat with them at the end of the year when they've completed their radio owner journey can i just add in there too because this is something that uh we seem to we come up with every year and we uh you know it's something that we really realize is a, a thing now is that that last step into kindergarten sometimes we have underestimated how much that does mean to the children and also sometimes how much they take that on board as that final step in their adiona journey uh so quite often interestingly we get the most anxious children moving from our red tribe into our kindergarten tribe. And so we've done a lot of reflection on that and work around making sure the language that we're using with our pre-kindies who are moving into kindy doesn't add to that. 
because the children are already perceiving that as a big step in their their journey and don't really know what's beyond that, I think. So in those early days of Yellow Tribe, we try to just make it as normalised as possible rather than making a big hoo-ha about it being kindergarten and, you know, being a moving off to school. We just try to take a small steps rather than projecting into the next year. <laughs> but it is always funny that at the end of the year, the Yellow Tribe are certainly the leaders of the service. Yeah. You can see them really stepping up and taking on that leadership role with um, amongst the, the group. So. Yes. Well, I guess that leads us nicely into our transitions into schools. And certainly at this time of year, that's a big point of discussion with our kindergarten families um, and even some of our Red Tribe families as they start to make decisions about what schools are going to suit them and their children. So sometimes when we discuss with families about transitions into schools, we'll start getting the, the questions about what, what did my child need to be able to do to, to go to school and those school readiness questions. I think that we could probably do a whole other podcast about that and, and we probably will at some stage. I just want to stress here though that school readiness in an Adiona context isn't being able to write their name or do simple maths or cut on a straight line. Yes, there's all things that we develop and practice through play as the children show interest in those skills, but they are certainly not the key indicators that we would discuss for a child being ready to transition to school. The things that we're looking at is resilience. We're looking at the ability to make friends. We're looking at the ability to ask for help when they need help, being able to pay attention, to be able to engage in what's being going on around them and respond to that. Those sorts of things are the, the key signs that a school a, a child is ready and mature enough to progress to school. Obviously, if we have any concerns about those, those um, conversations start quite early in the year. I mean, you'd be well aware of it by this stage <laughs> of the year. And of course, our educators are always open to discussing that with you, should you as a parent have any concerns regarding that. So, but once a child is ready to start their transition to school, there's a couple of things that start to happen within the service. So, Things that your child may talk about and that you'll see happening in the service is that there'll be a slight change in the curriculum. So there'll be an increase in tasks such as we'll have a lot more containers and um, I have a lunchbox day where we'll ask them to come and open their own lunchbox and stuff just so we can start practicing some of those skills. We might have a day where we invite them to come in and wear their uniform. It's quite exciting to see everyone in their oversized uniforms um, and talking about where they're going. We'll ask families to put down what schools they're going to and we might make a bit of a visual representation so that children can see what friends or what, what children they know are moving on to the same school as those. So all of those sorts of things start happening. We start having discussions about what it will be like. Behind the scenes, um, there's quite a bit of work going on as well. So Adiona tries to engage with as many schools in their local area as possible. We reach out to school principals, to prep teachers. We invite them into the service. Sometimes we're invited into the schools. Sometimes it's a phone call um, to have a chat and share information. And, and the engagement with different schools is different. Um, you know, they're very busy too, but we really do try and work on those relationships so that we know what schools expect from us and start, um, and schools can know what to expect from children who have come through Adiona. And um, as much as we can get visits and things happening too, I think that really smooths the pathway. I think it's really special if a prep teacher can come and visit and see um, and the children can show them their the environment that they're very familiar with already. 
Probably the next big step, though, is the transition statements. Once again, that's something that starts happening early September <laughs> for, for all our um, early childhood teachers in our Yellow Tribe. Um, Zoe, would you like to talk about transition statements? Sure. So just as, as similar to our reflections of learning, transition statements are basically a statement relating to the Queensland kindergarten outlines in rather than the ELF, which are very similar. They almost go hand in hand to the it's still those ideas of identity, well-being, connection, being an active learner and communication. So as I said, that's that whole picture of the child. Uh, it doesn't honour one more than the other. So previously, transition statements were something that each centre had a responsibility to create. But now they've gone to a centralised transition statement that's run by the study authority. So they're uh, a bit more formalised and they still relate to all those areas. And what happens is that's now an online document. Our kindy teachers create them. Then they provide a draft to families for feedback and consultation, which is a lovely process. For us, that means that we have a meeting with families to sit down and actually read through it. We jot down any ideas that the family might have at that point to change or any suggestions that they have, but the statements have changed a little bit, so it's a lot more kind of Dropbox, and we don't have the capacity to put in some things that we used to have in our transition statements, so we do a secondary part to that, which I'll explain in a moment. So the transition statements are then uploaded onto the Queensland um, Study Authority's website so that all schools can access each child's transition statement. As Tracy said, we like to get those out fairly early because schools like to start to make plans around um, where children will fit best and with which cohort and which other children they'll fit best. So we try to get those out really early to give prep teachers as much time and schools as much time to work on that at their end as well because of course their year winds up quite quickly in that time term four so yeah we try to give them as much time as possible so the second part that we like to do here at Adiona to make sure we're capturing voices of parents and children is that we also sit down with the children and have a conversation one-on-one about what they think their journey through Yellow Tribal Kindergarten has been and also what they're anticipating for school, I guess, is the best way to explain it. What they already maybe already know about school from their visits and what they're uh, thinking about what's going to happen in the next year. So then we then share that on our documentation platform with families so that they can see as well and then they can provide some feedback or it might give them a little bit of help on how to help their children as they transition into school as well. So then after that, sometimes we do get schools reaching out to us for some further information if they are not sure about something in particular or a parent has expressed that they would like for us to connect with the school if there's something that they are also concerned about and so then there's that other point of collaboration at the end of the year as well sometimes. And those transition statements can only be shared with schools with parent permission. So um, sort of early in the year when the teacher starts to work on those, um, families will receive a permission slip, I guess, to say that they give us permission to share that information. Regardless of whether you give permission or not, one will be created and, and given to you to then decide, or to the parent to decide what they would like to do with that. With the transition statements too, that's also written as a strengths-based document. It's there to inform schools of, of what the child can do and what they, they are able to achieve and, and, you know, and what support 
um, they have had in place at our services. So that's the sort of information that's shared. And then I guess it's time for, for everyone to go to school. I, that's what happens. They leave us. Um, and so every centre uh, at Iona Service works a little bit differently, but we do like to mark the occasion with some sort of ceremony or picnic or gathering to celebrate the, you know, the end of kindergarten and the end of the, their time at Adiona as they, they leave us to go to school. This would generally happen in early December, but we do acknowledge that a lot of children stay with us up until the first day of school too, so we're able to share that excitement with them, which is lovely. Once they're in school, um, we do try. We're not, you know, always get there, but we do try to also invite the children back to come back in their in their uniforms and share their experiences of schools with the next kindergarten cohort. Um, this might be when they're in prep, or or maybe a couple of years down the road when they've have younger siblings at the centres and they're in, in year two or something. Um, come and share their experiences because I think that that really helps ease some of the anxieties of the children moving on to school and share their experience and set realistic expectations of what's going to happen next. So that's pretty much it for transitions and the process that we go through. It seems funny that we've been able to wrap it up in a 30-minute podcast when it literally takes us six months to do. Uh, But I I think it's really important for families and, and for educators to know the processes that go through to ensure that transitions um, in all different contexts are as smooth as possible. Yeah, and I think it's also always really important to remember that this is a transition for you as a family and, yeah, and not just about um, the child in particular. Certainly they are our focus, Mm -hmm. but for you on your side um, listening to this, it is about your family and, you know, sometimes we get just as much anxiety from families as we do from the children. So that's normal. Uh, Yeah, and, you know, always feel free to stop in and chat to any of the directors because they always have time to reassure and or, you know, make adjustments where we can. Yeah, we're here to work with families and to support them and and help them build the relationships with the new educators that they may be um, coming across as they transition, you know, move through the centre. So, yeah. So thank you very much for listening. We appreciate your time um, and we look forward to speaking to you soon. That's it for this episode of the Adiona Podcast. Be sure to subscribe for more fascinating insights into the early childhood development process and don't forget to rate and review the show so we can continue to bring you the best content. See you on the next episode of the Adiona Podcast.